We just wrapped a great show. Uh, we're doing this intro kind of in reverse order this time. We finished the show. We were talking to Derek Bromley of Ohm Coffee Roasters, and I realized we got so into talking about coffee, we didn't even ask him about his music, which is a huge part of his life. Should, should we do it right now? Absolutely. All right. Well, luckily, Derek is still sitting right here. And Derek, thanks for a great show. Really enjoyed it. I know folks are going to get a kick out of uh, hearing about your story with Ohm Coffee Roasters, but we did not get into something that seems like a vital part of your life, and that is your music. That's right. That's the problem with coffee. There's so much fun stuff to rap about that we didn't even get to all the things we could have talked about. And the nice thing about coffee is when I drink it, I get much more talkative, so this intro might go along. So (laughs) I've seen you perform now a couple times at different events around the Valley. You are an impressive guitar player, sir. Where did did this come from? Are your your folks uh, musicians? Do you have a musical background? Thanks, Judd. Well, yeah, actually, my mom is a professional harpist and singer. Uh, she's been a musician for all my life. Uh, so I grew up in a house full of music. I you know, took piano lessons, cello lessons. It was all, none of it really stuck until <laughs> I started getting into classic rock, Hendrix, Zeppelin, those yeah. guys. I would have the the, um, the CDs or the LPs back in those days on loud. And my stepfather had a vintage Fender Mustang guitar that I would kind of make off with and, like, pretend, you know, kind of the air guitar but a step up because I had a real guitar in my hand. It took a little while before there were some actual notes that started coming out that sounded like what was on the record. Um, And then I guess a few years after that, I got to the point where I had a band in college. Uh, We would play the after-hours parties on Thursday nights at my fraternity house. I actually took a long hiatus as I was building my career. Just didn't have time to do much more than, uh, you know, plunk away at the guitar at night. And a couple years ago, I got back into it. My wife got me uh, uh, the guitar, um, what do they even call it? Napa School of Music um, Garage Band class. I sort of went back to brush off the old chops. Well, that's a great plug for the Napa School of Music because if you can go to their their classes and come out shredding like you do. I mean, are you guaranteeing that result or others' uh, mileage may vary? Mileage may vary. I, it was more for me brushing off. And, uh, you know, I joined a band soon thereafter called Moxie, was with them for a few years. And then just earlier this year, I ended up going over to my wife's band, the N2L band. And uh, so now I get to make music with my wife and a great group of people. Uh, I love the idea of the family band. Your kids play as well? My daughter is a drummer. Uh, we've oh. done a few recitals with her, and my son is just starting keyboard as well. So it is, I mean, you've got a drummer, a keyboard, guitar. Your wife has a beautiful voice, singing voice. Well, and speaking voice. I mean, that's her career. She's a voiceover artist. She's a voice actor. That's right. Wow, man. So you've got it all going on. The family band is coming. Do you have a name picked out yet? Not yet. We're, we're trying not to put too much pressure on it, because the little <laughs> guy could go either way with key, piano lessons right now. If there's, if there's already a name, it, it might just turn him off entirely. Uh, okay, I get it. But right now, it's the N2L band. That's right. Yeah, we play all up and down Napa Valley. Uh, we'll be at Maryvale Winery's Valentine's Dinner uh, coming up in February. We'll be at Silos in early March. Uh, and any other time, if, if you're listening to this and those dates have already passed, just look up. Uh, it's n2lband.com, right? Yep. Facebook uh, as well, N2L Band. All right, how about this? How about at the end of this show? So stick around, folks. Listen throughout. At the end, we're going to play a little clip of you uh, just shredding a solo. Sounds great. I love it. All right, in the meantime, Lauren Mole, what do you have to say? We invite you to join Judd at his family's winery at the south end of Silverado Trail. 
Judd's Hill Winery, located at 2332 Silverado Trail, here in Napa Valley, California, USA. Thanks, Lauren. We love uh, inviting folks over. Whether you're a visitor or a local, we'd love to see you and show you a good time. Visiting information can be found at judshill.com. And while you're online, you can take a look at some of our fun videos. You can um, see some events that are coming up and, you know, maybe even put some wine in your shopping cart. Uh, What do you think? Should we give them a deal? Just for being an avid listener, type in coupon code JNVS, all in lowercase letters, please, no capitals, and you'll get 15% off your entire wine order. That's a great deal, Lauren. But I'll bet we can do even better. How about that? Well, how about joining the Judd's Hill Wine Club anytime, day or night? (laughs) That's right. Of course, you'll get a great deal on the wine, you'll get all the wines, and you'll get invitations to really fun and cool events and parties and whatnot. And while you're getting some Judd's Hill wine sent to you, have a look at our guest Derek Bromley's website as well, because you can get some coffee sent to you as well. And the guy does it all by hand. It's fabulous. We're drinking some right now, enjoying it. And uh, why don't you give your website as well? OhmCoffee.com, O-H-M Coffee. So pull that up so you can play along at home while you're listening to this episode. It's going to be fun. And uh, here it is. Everyone's a Finkel friend on Judd's Napa Valley Show. Get ready for another heap full of fascinating things to know from witty and intriguing people on Judd's Napa Valley Show. No stale script and no rehearsing, live from a Napa studio. You may be that intriguing person on Judd's Napa Valley Show. On Judd's Napa Valley Show. Judd's Napa. Judd's Napa Valley, Judd's Napa Valley Show. Maybe Christmas, the Grinch thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. And now, live from the 1440 KVON studio in the beautiful Napa Valley, it's Judd's Napa Valley Show. I'm Lauren Mole, and here's your host... Chad Finkelstein! Hey, good morning, Lauren Mole. Thank you so much for that holiday introduction. Love it. Well, you're welcome, Judd. And may I say Happy Hanukkah to you. Thank you very much. It is, uh, let's see, we are on, uh, tonight will be the eighth night. We're, we're ah. coming towards the end. It's been a It's been a fun run, I gotta say. Well, for this year, that is. For this year, absolutely. And you are looking very holiday-y. It looks like you've got your Christmas sweater on. It's a V-neck with a green turtleneck poking through. You're up for the holiday in the spirit. Indeed I am. Always looking sharp. This is one of those times that webcam that you so desperately want in here would, would come in handy. Everyone could see uh, how uh, elegantly holiday attired that was very awkwardly said. But I think you know what I mean. Right. Okay. Dashing as always. What's going on in the world of Lauren Mole? Well, we just finished uh, some uh, performances with Napa Valley Voices going through different retirement homes around both here in Napa and in Sonoma as well. We're doing mostly a holiday program? Uh, yes, holiday program. How nice. And you got to sing, you got to interact with the residents, uh, everyone had a great time? They did. Wonderful. We all did. Good. Anything coming up that uh, the general public listening could uh, experience Lauren Mullen? Uh, well, we may be uh, singing the Star Spangled Banner again for the uh, NBA World Champion Golden State Warriors, again with uh, the Everybody is the Star Foundation, but uh, we haven't uh, 
We haven't determined a specific day for that yet. Okay. Well, I'm sure it's going to work out. You seem to get into some major league arena a few times a year to sing. Why don't you talk about Everybody's a Star briefly? Give us, give us the one-minute plug for that. Well, Everybody is a Star is a nonprofit organization based in Sonoma that helps individuals with special needs uh, showcase our talents and broadcast quality music videos. And if somebody would like to see more and find out more about Everybody's a Star and see an amazing video starring our own Lauren Mole, how could somebody do that? www.everybodystar.org. Uh-huh. And I hear that that website goes 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Exactly. All right. That's fantastic. Yeah, so uh, so what's going on with you, Judd? Well, uh, we just wrapped Nutcracker, another great season, the 17th season of Napa Regional Dance Nutcracker. It's only my fourth season in it. I'm still, you can see I've still got the, uh, I don't know what you'd call this, kind of the, the reverse goatee or something like that. I grew the full beard and just kind of shaved where the goatee would be. Well, except the mustache is intact. I don't know what, you, what you'd call this. My guest is nodding. We haven't introduced you, but you can pop in if you know what this thing is called. This is, I kind of just shave away the beard part so it looks like this crazy... Handlebar mustache connected to yeah, some big lamb chops. I don't, I don't have a good name for that. It's it's there's, kind of a hipster Abraham Lincoln sort of thing happening. Well, there's Except no your, there's your no good name for it. Upper yeah, lip. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I like that. There's no, there's nothing good to be said about this, except it fits for the Nutcracker. And I'm going to hang on to it for a while because it's just fun and funny. Let's see, what else is happening? Uh, my group, the Maikai Gents, will be performing this very New Year's Eve down at Trader Vic's in Emeryville. Very excited about that. If you're playing Hawaiian music and have the tiki vibe, I think I was just telling somebody, it's kind of like, might as well be Carnegie Hall. You know, you're at the flagship Trader Vic's. It's going to be tons of fun. We're there from... I think 9 to 12.30, something like that. Come on down. We'll be in the lounge. I don't believe there's a cover charge, but come early anyway. Have dinner. It's a fabulous restaurant right in the water in Emeryville. We'll ring in the new year with a little aloha. And then coming up in April, I want to talk about, very briefly, our Mississippi wine cruise. Ah, nice. The Judd's Hill Gang is uh, going aboard the American Queen, the world's most opulent steamship, I'm told. It's a paddle wheeler, and we'll be heading from... New Orleans to Memphis for a week on the river, April 15th through 23rd. Tons of fun. Wine talks by yours truly. Wine parties featuring Judd's Hill Wines. Excursions in every port. It's going to be a blast. Information is at Judd'sHill.com. Click on our events page and join us on that cruise. Let's get right to the show because I see what's coming. There's actually a setup on, on, the, on the counter here that I can't wait to get to. I'm going to learn a thing or two. I hope our listeners will as well. Would you please introduce our guest who's been here waiting so patiently? Well, Judd, it's about time we revealed his identity on the air. Yes, let's. We can start the day rather calmly or hit it hard and quite strongly. Our coffee affects us with a mood that directs us. So let's meet the bean roaster. Sir Bromley. Ah, Derek Bromley. Love it. I don't think I've ever been introduced so well, eloquently. Well, you've just been Lauren Mould. That's right. You <laughs> As Judd would say. The, the, the signature Lauren Mould uh, rhyming introduction. Derek Bromley, you are the, the, the founder, president, uh, CEO, big... Oh, what you doing there, Lauren? Oh, Lauren is Lauren's making sure things are set up. You're the big dude. You're kind of the big deal. You are the deal of Ohm Coffee Roasters. In the sense that there's a big dude, big deal in a yeah. in a small startup environment. Yes, and it's you. Right. It's you. So today, I'm kind of a new coffee drinker. 
I've known you for several years. We met. I'm trying to remember. It was in, in a like a professional. Class. I think it was Leslie uh, Berglund's Wise It was class, Wise right? Academy. I'm just trying to remember which class it was. I've taken a few there. They're, they're a great series of classes that they put on. But it was one of those. One of the early ones. One of those yep. wine professional. So I met you back then. thought, cool guy. I know you've been in the wine biz. We're going to get in your background. But what really piqued my interest now is coffee. I'm a relatively new coffee drinker. It's been maybe a little more than a year that I've decided I can handle some coffee and, and enjoy it. So I don't really have a palate. I don't know much about the differences between the types of roast, the type of beans, and I'm so excited to have you here today. So I'm hoping that you will walk me through it, and hopefully our listeners will glean a little info and have some takeaways about coffee. So if you don't mind, can I just turn this over to you? Can you briefly tell <laughs> sure me thing. about Ohm Coffee Roasters, who you are? Uh, maybe folks have seen the truck at the farmer's market. They mm-hmm. maybe have had your... Uh, coffee. It's served, I know, over at Jack's Diner, maybe some other spots around town. I'm That's not right. exactly sure, but you're going to tell me. Give me the background on Ohm. All right. Well, Judd, you're humble and, and all of that. I mean, you're talking about not knowing much about coffee, but we have something in common here, which is that we both have a background in wine. Yes. And that's actually going to be a fast track, real shortcut for you to okay. sort of understand and get a grasp of the basics here. Good. I'll take whatever I can get. <laughs> it's what allowed me to come from, uh, what was it, 15, 20 years in the wine business mm-hmm. and be able to parlay that into launching a coffee company. All right. Uh, the more I learned, I've been a coffee nut for lots and lots of years, but the more I learned about coffee, the more I realized that pretty much everything I learned in the wine business applies. If, if not directly, then pretty close enough to directly that um, I was able to go through a much shorter growing learning curve okay. uh, as I came up in the world of coffee. Origin is important. You talk a lot about origin, I would imagine, here in the Napa Valley. Sure. Style is important. The, the big and oaky or heavy roasted yeah. or the lean and tart or, you know, you can, you can apply that to either wine or coffee. But it, so I was sort of – I had hit a point in my career. I'd, I most recently was the chief marketing officer up at the Hess Collection. I'd, yeah. I'd come up in the sales and marketing side of the business. And and, you, but you've worked as a sommelier as well. Yep. I mean you're not just a, you know, a suit behind a desk. Like you've worked the floor, I'm sure. You've... That's right. That's right. I got my start as a som back in New York City working for Drew Neporin at a few of his restaurants. Mm-hmm. I went to the hotel school at Cornell University. That's right, so, Mr. Hospitality. That's yeah, right. I got great. a lot of training there. <laughs> Actually, little did I know then, I saw a guest lecture from Dr. Ely of Ely Espresso back oh, in yeah. my Cornell days. Sure. Maybe that's what planted the seed with coffee. I'm not sure. But you know, for me, I, I was sort of at a point in my career where I'm thinking, do I continue down this corporate path and you know work for bigger and bigger marketing departments or maybe try to become a general manager of a winery, mm-hmm. or do I strike out on my own? You know, yeah. I, I had done the startup thing once before in my, earlier in my career. You know, I had a, had a great experience with that, but um, you know, as I looked at the, the economics of starting a winery, as you well know, <laughs> they're not favorable to you know, being able to start on a shoestring, retain most, much of the equity. You could have just put a period. They're not favorable. <laughs> That's <Period>. right. <laughs> okay. Especially, you know, not being a trained winemaker myself, I I would have had to bring in a winemaking partner pretty early on. Mm I would have had to raise capital to have the first few vintages in the barrel um, before, you know, actually going out and starting to sell anything. It's nuts. It's nuts. So you went from nuts to beans. Right. Okay. Margins are maybe not quite as good, but... um, I don't know. I know nothing about it, but, but why coffee? Well... Like I said, a lot of what I know about wine applies almost directly to coffee. Um, it's a it's a sensory experience. It's it's uh, 
yes, the the, the um, psychoactive ingredient is a little bit different, um, <laughs> but it's it's actually the the largest, uh, most consumed psychoactive drug in the world. So the market actually is a little bit bigger than the wine market. Sure, that's a broad market. <laughs> that's right. Um, and you know, actually, I, I sort of saw two things that I were drilled into my head as a sales and marketing guy in the wine business. Yeah that um, I learned in wine that is not really being done that well in coffee. One of those is, is just being understanding your, your customer, your consumer, and that for the most part, your average wine consumer, your average coffee consumer is pretty overwhelmed by the selections that are out there. Okay, so this, that's a great point you brought up. It's a broad market. More people drink coffee than, as you say, pretty much any other beverage, mm-hmm. you know, maybe besides water. And there's a lot of it out there these days. An ocean of it out there, yes. It is. It's huge. People love coffee. People are really into coffee. I'm definitely a latecomer into this wave. So when you're thinking about this, it's rolling over in your head. You're obviously not naive to how business works. You got Before you go in, you've given this a lot of thought, and you, you say, okay, I'm going in the business, and this is how I'm going to differentiate myself. How did that blank get filled in? Yep. So, so this is the first. The first piece is you know you picture the your average Safeway or Ralphs or whatever you walk into the wine aisle. Yeah. How many thousands of selections are there on those shelves, or you know those multiple aisles worth yeah. of shelves? It's overwhelming. Yep. How, and how does your average consumer figure out what to actually pull off the shelf? I mean, you look at the label, and if yeah. it's pretty, you buy it. That's right. Maybe okay. there's a little score thing that might yeah. impact a little bit, but the price point matters as well. Uh, there's a similar thing happening in coffee at a, at a smaller scale. The, the shelf set is a, typically a lot shorter. But just as your average consumer might not know the difference between Chardonnay from Chablis versus Burgundy versus mm-hmm. versus Southern Cal versus Napa Valley, uh, your average consumer doesn't necessarily know the differences between Kenya or Colombia or Ethiopia. You know, Pick your origin. Yeah, and I fit into that. I, I don't know. I know they're out there. I see it on a label. What does that mean as a consumer? How is that going to taste different than the other? I, I don't know. Yeah. So for me, the, one of the first things that as I was thinking about a business was I'm not going to go the route of many of the high-end coffee companies that, that they have over the last decade or two, which is all about single origin, right? There, yeah. there, there's so much about the where does the coffee come from. We're going to roast it really lightly. We're going to name the farm and the farmer and do everything we can to, to showcase this one little lot of coffee. Yeah, which I totally get and can appreciate. And has its place. There's nothing yes. wrong with that. However, you know, from my perspective, I, said, I thought that I can actually win over a lot more consumers by starting with blends and mm-hmm. leading with my blends um, because I will have consumers that are going to prefer a full-bodied, you know, fruity, forward expression of coffee versus a more elegant, medium-bodied versus uh, – I'm not, I'm not going to say French roast, but a darker roast style okay. that has a lot of sweetness and whatnot. And let me worry in the back of, back of house about what those blends are, what's fresh. You know, coffee is an agricultural product. There are different things coming into season at any given month of the year. Let me worry about blending and not using any filler, not using right. lower quality beans, putting awesome beans in, but assembling these blends just like the Champenoise or <laughs> right. the Australians or some others that are master blenders. Okay, so taking the role as the coffee consumer, which I am, I can see how that would put my mind at ease knowing that there's a consistency of quality. I don't have to worry about what happened at that farm you know, that year, kind of like That's a single right. vineyard wine. That's right. You, know, you sort of know what that vineyard is going to produce. I would imagine similar qualities in coffee. You kind of get a sense. Yeah. But, there, there are but, disasters. But there year are to year... You never know. But if you have a blend, you can put something together that is, as I said earlier, consistent in quality. So if I'm buying That's your right. Black Magic blend or whatever it is, I know each time I get it, it's going to have 
a similar taste. There are going to be some yeah. touch tone flavors yeah. and weight and, and okay. those sorts of things. That are okay, going to be I get this. Yep. You're making sense to me. <laughs> so that, w- that was insight number one. And insight number two for me was, uh, you know, let's take Chardonnay. For, for, we're talking wine here and we're sure. talking coffee. So okay. you think of the Chardonnay market and you think uh, what's the biggest, boldest, ripest, most unctuous Chardonnay you can think of. Uh, we don't need to name names necessarily, but it probably comes from this part of the world here in Napa Valley. Yeah, a big buttery oaky something or other. Yep. Okay. Let's let's call it the oak bomb on one okay. end of of the flavor spectrum. Yes. The other end of the spectrum, let's say, let's just say Chablis for giggles. Yes. You know, I'm typically on oak, a much leaner expression, a much mm-hmm. cooler climate. You've got a lot of like steely, flinty, mineral kind of yes. flavors happening. And then you look at both ends of the spectrum, and just about every point along the way, there's some offering of Chardonnay that will cover mm-hmm. that. You know, you want a little more than Chablis, you go over to Burgundy or Merceau if you want to go even a step further. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, you make your way to the New World and, and up to California and up to some of the bigger styles. Mm-hmm. So coffee is, is very similar. You've okay. got, let's say, the, the big guys, you know, the big green guy and the big Starbucks piece. We can name names here. Right. Nothing wrong with it. I wouldn't be here if it weren't for them, you know, yeah. training consumers that there's something better than your average cup of deli coffee. Absolutely. Absolutely. They've brought coffee culture to the fore. That's right. That's right. So they, what Starbucks and Pete's do is they've got the – let's they've cornered the big effusive, in their case, roasted as opposed to oak age or ripe mm-hmm. um, end of the spectrum covered. And then you've also got the almost the backlash to that style, which is what they call the third wave of coffee roasters. Um, and that's people like Blue Bottle and Ritual and um, Equator here locally, Intelligentsia out of Chicago, Stumptown out of Oregon. You know, these guys that are actually getting quite big on, in their own right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they came out of almost a backlash to that Starbucks Pete style. They were the ones that were saying it's all about origin. It's all about okay. roasting a little bit lighter, um, really expressing where that bean has come from. And in between those two ends of the spectrum, there's not much. It's almost like a barbell. There's, oh. there's lean and tart. And, you know, oftentimes what Judd and I would consider flaws in a wine, things like green and grassy and bell yeah. pepper, that in the case the, the red grape in particular didn't get ripe enough. <laughs> yeah. um, those are actually positives in, in a lot of that third wave mentality. So I was sort of looking at that and saying, wow, there's not many people in the middle here or, you know, sort of playing with other points on that spectrum. And to me, it's, it's sort of – it's kind of a false choice to say it can only be big and rich and overripe or it can only be under-roasted and green and, and lean and tart. There, there's a place for both of those styles, um, but there's actually a place a little bit further along the spectrum, I think, that, that is worth exploring. And that was, that was the other kind of founding – principle or, or insight for me. Okay, so Ohm Coffee Roasters is born, and this is Ohm, O-H-M. O-H-M, and, and Amplified this, Ohm. Exactly, it has to do with electricity. I think, you know, at, at first, maybe very calming and meditative, Ohm, Ohm, and, um, but that's not. You're amplified, you're rock and roll, you're an amazing, you know, guitar player, lead guitar, like you're, you can shred, man, with the best of them. <laughs> Thanks, and man. right now, you're wearing a Fender guitar t-shirt, and you're, you you looked apart. Maybe we'll hear a little something a little later. Um, sure thing. But so this was your inspiration was rock and roll, electrified, it was. amplified. So yeah, and it, it is the OHM. Maybe it's a little bit of a double entendre uh, because one, there's the amplified piece of it. I was sort of thinking of you know with coffee, what are some of the benefits of it? You know, you get electrified, ampl- amped up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you, say, you know, it's kind of a play on words that all of my blends I name it I name after famous guitar amplifiers. Yes, there's so, a, like a my lot of full stack roll. blend is the Marshall stack that <laughs> Jimi Hendrix and Led Zeppelin and, sure. and Cream and those guys use. 
the tweed is my more medium body blend, and that's sort of the small amp blues guy that you know sort of hits one note and has <laughs> years of nuance in, in each of those notes. So yeah, there's there's the amplified side of it, but also as a guitar player, there are these moments where you're up on stage and you're in the middle of this solo and you're sort of you you almost step out of your body. You're transported. It's not you playing fretboard. It's some um, something else happening. Wow. And so there's the OM element to it as ah, well. There you are. Uh, so the two kind of tied together. And we also sell our beans at Ekam Yoga Studio here in town. So there is an OM to OHM. You are covering well. all the ohms. That's right. Phenomenal. Okay. Well, you've got you've got some stuff here. Do you want to take us through? Sure thing. How you you. Where does it start? Do you do you you yourself are roasting beans, so uh, you source beans from somewhere, or do yeah, you, or yeah, you, yeah. So the the supply chain is a little bit different with wine. You yeah. don't typically have people that are growing their own beans and then taking them straight through to roasting. Main issue reason for that is the perishability of roasted okay. coffee. Like you re, you really don't want to be drinking coffee that's been roasted more than four to six weeks prior to the date that you're brewing it. Okay. So typically, well, what, what happens? Well, it's it, it, you you're cooking the coffee bean so you're essentially you know it's cooked and then it's in the process of degassing and breaking down and mm. you know basically going bad i see um so coffee goes stale pretty quickly uh as relates to wine it's there are probably three or four times the flavor compounds in a cup of coffee than there are in a glass of wine and they dissipate over time after being roasted Is they that dissipate it? they're highly volatile they're mm. high, highly they oxidize very easily um, so, you know, there's some tricks you can do to, to extend out the life of a bean. But in general, the best bet for drinking great coffee is drink coffee that's been roasted within a week or two uh, of the time that you're drinking it. Okay. So small quantity. Like for me, I'm not a huge coffee drinker. I might mm-hmm. have a cup a day mm-hmm. if. Um, so I shouldn't be buying, you know, a couple pounds at a time and squirreling yep. it away in the... The five-pound bag at the bulk store is probably not the way <laughs> okay. to go if you can help it. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Right. This is this is nice. There was a point there where I was geeking out and living in San Francisco, blue, one of the blue bottle kiosks was right down the street from me. So yeah. I'd be there twice a week buying an eight-ounce bag oh. to support my wife's and my habit. <laughs> <laughs> but they were sort of roasting every day. So you'd be getting something that was 48 hours old or so. Very fresh. So how does it work with you at Ohm Coffee Roasters? So we we uh, I source from all over the world, and uh, you know, that, like I said, there's the supply chain where where the beans are grown in typically along the equator, but all around the world. There are, there's a network of smaller importers that are here in the U.S. And it, similar to wine, the high end of the coffee business is like the one or two percent of beans coming into the country are the ones that I'm looking at. Okay. Uh, just like you know what you're dealing with with grapes. Yeah. Typically, I'll get a sample. Actually, I have a show and tell. Okay, sure. So if I'm looking, okay, there we go, there we go. So typically, I'll, I'll get a sample from a importer that yeah. I'm looking for a specific style or origin or price point or combination thereof. They'll send me a little thing of green beans that I can then roast off in a sample roaster okay. and do what's called a cupping. So I'll prepare a little sample. Actually, these. Uh, cups that we're going to have a little show and tell and drink a little coffee out of, I use as cupping cups at home. Hey, Lauren, have you ever seen unroasted coffee beans like this? They're they're, they're greenish. They look like something you'd find like in uh, split peas almost with a little dimple in them. They're actually seeds. Actually, I don't believe I – I don't think I've seen these at all. Yeah. The coffee is is somewhat unique in that it's one of the few – agricultural products in the world that we harvest the seed not the fruit itself oh uh, the coffee cherry actually has a layer of pulp and it's it's edible has a small amount of caffeine in it um, but it also goes bad really quickly so is it, anything ever done with this in areas where it's grown 
Uh, I've heard of some some use of pulp, but typically no. It goes back into compost or, or what have you. Okay. Actually, with the uh, the husk of the cherry, um, there's something called cascara that uh, makes a tea, and there are a few coffee folks that sell cascara tea. All right. Um, so I've been look, actually playing with, around with that a little bit. We'll see if there <laughs> might be something in the near future under Rome Coffee. Cool. Be creative. Um, so cupping you're talking about, that's the – that's the process of that's right. That's right. That's a process of evaluating, or you know, if you were looking at a bunch of different samples of Cabernet to uh-huh. assemble a blend with. Gotcha. Um, you would have a formal wine tasting. I would have a cupping, and I would compare my current lot to two or three other lots, and and you know, the best one would win under the controlled circumstances of the same temperature water, the same grind, the same uh, amount of coffee to water, uh, and you know, in a, in a relatively controlled environment. Very cool. Will you take us through one of these in just a moment? Uh, I don't have the the, up, the equipment to take you on a cupping, though you can come over any time, Judd, and we'll okay. do that. Well, I see you've got a bunch of stuff, but so I don't know exactly what you've got planned. But I do have a French press that we'll make and have a little cup of coffee together. Okay, perfect. I can't wait. We do have to take a quick break, and we'll be back with uh, Derek Bromley of Ohm Coffee Roasters. Um, if you want to follow along at home, it's ohmcoffee.com, ohmcoffee.com. You're listening to Judd's Napa Valley Show. We'll be right back after these messages. Judd's Napa Valley Show. Every episode, a veritable cornucopia of finkel fun. At 1440 on your AM dial in Northern California and streaming live in South Africa at KVON.com. Back to Judd's Napa Valley Show. South Africa, eh? Yep. Why not? Yeah, why not? Well, we're talking with Derek Bromley. He is uh, the man behind Ohm Coffee Roasters, and that the, the African reference is that is that where the, the that certain coffee comes from? It's it's that's actually that, the birthplace of coffee. Yes, in Ethiopia. Okay, well, certainly I was going to get, but what I was thinking about there's a certain type of coffee eaten by a certain kind of cat who then, pardon the expression, uh, poops it out, right. and then is that an Af- is that an African thing or is that in Southeast that, Asia? Yeah, I believe that's Southeast Asia, okay. the meerkat. Yes, yeah. uh, there are a few different yeah methods of fermenting coffee beans, shall we say? And one is within the intestines of a that's wild right cat. That's right. Ah, and that'll give you a nice fifty hundred dollar a pound green beans uh, <laughs> that would end up you know a couple hundred bucks a pound for your average consumer here in the wow. U.S. once it's roasted. Wow, have you had that? Uh, that's a high premium to pay for poop coffee. I, I guess. I guess so. You know that to me. That's like genius marketing. That's right. Um, <laughs> we're talking about coffee, and it, did you bring something along? I think I saw something you had for the. Uh, did you have a goodie? Something for the goodie bag? Uh, yeah. Do you want to do the goodie? goodie yeah. Bag now? Well, you know why not? Let's give. Let's let's see what you got here. That's right. before we get into this coffee. This is a. Oh my unveiling. gosh! Oh, that's that's it's, beautiful. It's a sheet pan. Yes. But it's not a normal sheet pan. No, is it's it? not. It's actually a perforated sheet pan. Um, much better for if you're getting chased around the house by the wife. Better than a frying pan, right? <laughs> oh! <laughs> well, it, ha- it, it will perforate. You could probably get more swing on it. That's what, right. um, what's the story behind this? And, and uh, there must, Is this a family heirloom? Does this go back to the <laughs> old country? So there is uh, a story. Um, yeah. One is that you actually make better pizzas and breads by using the perforated sheet pan yeah. than you would with a regular one. Just uh-huh. so you get a little bit better airflow. Sure. Uh, but it actually goes back to the, the early days of Ohm just a few years ago. Uh, I roasted my first home batch of beans in a West Poppery popcorn maker. <laughs> Believe it or not, 
those those uh, uh, little this antiques now you, out of the eighties. Is it the kind you crank, or is that the kind that you? Uh, no, it's the kind you plug in. Okay, yeah, that might have cost you twenty twenty five bucks in nineteen eighty five, and yeah. they now go on eBay for fifty but dollars plus. Wow! Uh, because home coffee roasters love them. They're air bed. You, it's pretty simple. You know, you put your beans in, you plug it in, or you preheat it, put your beans in, and you know, it's kind of hard to mess it up. There's not much in the way of temperature control. The, the downside to the West Poppery, I'm getting to the sheep handling okay, just yeah, a yeah. here. The downside to the West Poppery is you can only roast two or three ounces at a time. Okay. And so, you know, that's a couple shots of espresso that you'd be spending all your time at the popcorn popper. Right. Um, so once I sort of got the hang of that, I graduated up to the perforated sheet pan. So this is a whole other technique entirely where you put you preheat an oven to about 500 degrees. You put the sheet pan in, get that nice and hot, and then you pour your green beans on that. Shake it every few minutes, and, you know, 12 to 15 minutes, you've got yourself a batch of fresh roasted beans. Wow. So this is a piece of Ohm Coffee Roasters history. Ohm Coffee Roasters history. That's right. So if it's all right with you, I'd love to give this away to maybe a coffee enthusiast who might be listening right now. Sure thing. If you want a piece of uh, history here, this sheet pan that Derek uh, roasted some of his early batches on, be the first to tweet, getting my hands on Judd's goodies. That's the message you want to put in there. Hashtag JNVS for Judd's Napa Valley Show. And if you really want me to see it right away, no bones about it, put at Judd's Hill. I'll pick it up right away. First one to tweet gets this historic sheet pan. Awesome. We'll even throw in a few bags of uh, green coffee samples oh, here. So okay. The first few trials are free. And the beans that go with it, that's phenomenal. Thank you so much. That's exciting. I, I might go out and tweet myself. I want to try this out. That's great. <laughs> the one, one pre-warning is uh, make sure you've got good ventilation in the kitchen. Oh, that, is that right? That's it... what spelled the end of the sheet pan before I moved up to the proper roaster. Was the poor wife and family were you know breathing all the fumes from the oh, coffee roasting? Got it. It gets a little. I like the smell, but uh, too much of anything is not necessarily right. a great thing, right? Sure, exactly. I have some stories about that, but let's move on. I want to hear about. <laughs> uh, I want to hear what's going to happen. I want to see what's going to happen. I want to taste what's going to happen. You have some equipment. Uh, we're going to do a French press, which That's I right. know is a big deal. The, 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 some people prefer that over a drip, over a this and a that and a pour over. I'm still learning all this stuff. So why don't you tell me a little bit about what you're going to do and why the French press? Yeah, sure. Well, we're going to brew a pot of French press here. It's not your typical French press. You, know, you think of the glass um, the glass container with the plunger. Yeah. This has got the plunger, the same basic technique, but I use insulated stainless steel. Okay. Um, two main reasons for that. One is that uh, you can hold coffee hot for much longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other is that this is actually when you order a brewed cup of coffee at the Ohm Coffee Roasters truck, this is what we use. Liter and a half French presses. We've got six of them on the truck. Um, it allows us to brew, to keep coffee super fresh and only brew as much as we need for the line that's right outside the truck at any given time. I see. And do you find there's a there's a flavor difference between the drip and the pour over and the French press? That's right. Yeah. And there so is. different blends are going to lend themselves to different preparations. Wow. Uh, the French press is, let's say, a little more rustic. It's You're not necessarily pulling out a lot of the fines and the... There's more texture to the coffee itself because a lot more goes through a screen than goes through a paper filter. Okay. You know, when you're doing drip, a lot of the, the paper filter is going to catch a lot of the um, particulate matter, and it's going to be a, a cleaner, sort of more refined, elegant uh, coffee experience. I see. I see. Okay. So you prefer, for what you're doing, the French press? Yeah. I, I like what we do, we do pour over on the truck as well, but, you know, it's a single cup brewed to order. It mm-hmm. takes five or six minutes. A lot of people don't want to wait for it. And, you know, I sort of like what you can get with the French press. There's a lot more expression that happens. 
Uh, we use our full stack blend, which is actually what we're going to use today. Uh, All right. Well, let's tell me about pop. the full stack. Tell me about the French press. Tell me, tell me everything. Sure thing. I mean, I guess we should start with some basic technique here. Yes, please. Uh, first and foremost is you always want to preheat your equipment. Uh, so I've got, you know, not boiling hot, but pretty hot water that's in here from your um, water cooler. Okay. So uh, pour that out. So warm I've got a nice up hot the press. Hot. Yep. Okay. Warm up your press first. Uh, grind is pretty important. So I actually I did a cardinal sin that I don't typically like to do, which Uh-oh. is I pre-ground these beans. Uh, but I figured it, it would be a little easier on the ears of your listeners here. Right, right. Firing up the grinder in the studio. Uh, so these beans were ground uh, within the last 45 minutes or so. And it looks just from here across the uh, counter here, it looks like a bit of a coarse yep, grind. That's right. So French press and actually cold brew, which we can talk about later mm-hmm. as well, uh, like a little bit coarser grind. You want something that's coarser so you don't have as much coming through the screen. Okay. Um, so I, I pre-ground this, and, and grind actually is one of the hardest things to talk about as opposed to visually be able to see, you know, what, what the texture is. It smells good. It smells okay, mm. right? Can get yeah, no, I, I, can get it, I can get it all the way over here. <laughs> but, oh, that's wonderful. So French press, it's going to be coarser than whereas like a drip coffee is fine like sand on a beach and mm-hmm. maybe like Carmel Beach as an example would be you know a pretty good one. Not super fine like Ocean Beach. Um, French press itself is going to be a little bit – it's certainly not gravel, but it's, mm-hmm. a li- it's going to be coarser than sand and, and a little bit finer than your, your average like fine ground gravel. Okay. Um, the best way to tell with French press is um, when you're plunging at the end of the cycle, you want to be able to push it down with – say 15 pounds of pressure and you want to be able to do that in 10 or 15 seconds so if you're really working to get that uh, plunger down that means you ground too fine and if it goes right down that means you ground a little too coarse oh so you just have to develop the feel there's a feel for it yeah and you know for if anybody's uh, enjoys french press at home grinder matters as well you know if you spend a little bit of money on a grinder you can spend 10 or 15 bucks on a cheap French press. Okay, so drink. the grinder is more important at that point. That know. matters, yeah. <clears throat> that can make a big difference. Well, then I hear about different grinders. I don't want to spend a lot of time on grinders, but I want to hear more of that. But I hear about, you know, certain blades or burrs. That's or right. what do we, what, what are you looking for? What so, do you like to use? So there's sort of a continuum. I mean, you can, uh, first and foremost is grind when you're brewing. So, there, you know, there's this myth out there that you should always grind your beans in the supermarket because they have the better grinder there. Oh, okay. And, yes, they've got the better grinder there, but, you know, coffee starts losing some of its character within minutes of grinding. Mm. Uh, they teach you in barista school, like, you know, it's about 90 seconds from when you pull a shot of espresso to when you want to actually – from when you grind it to when you actually want to pull the shot. Oh, wow. Uh, the finer you go, the quicker um, some of those flavors start to volatilize and, and, and kind of cook off, if you will. Um, so, you know, coarser grind like French press, you can go 10, 20, 30 minutes, I guess. But, you know, you're much better off just grinding right then and there as you're making your, your pot of coffee. And does the blade matter? The bird so the blade the... is not ideal, but still better than pre-grinding. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the blade, you're going to get bigger pieces as well as smaller pieces. There's a lot less consistency and uniformity to the grind. So it, it's not as good. But, you know, for 20 bucks, those blade <laughs> grinders are practically disposable. I use them for herbs, you know, for coriander seed and that sort of thing as well. Yes, as actually as do I. But uh... so you know, if if that's what your budget is, that's still better than buying pre-ground in the store. Uh, and then there's a whole <clears throat> range of of burr grinders or conical grinders that you can get as well. I'm I'm a big fan of a brand called Baratza. Uh, they make an entry level that's about 120 bucks on Amazon, uh, which is not cheap for a grinder. But right. again, if you spend that on the grinder and you spend 15 bucks on a pour over or, you know, 15 bucks on a French press, 
you're going to drink much better coffee than spending 100 bucks on a coffee maker and 20 bucks on a grinder. Right. Makes a lot of sense to me. All right. Well, let's make some coffee. You okay. put the grind. You preheated your French press. Yep. You put the ground coffee in. The grounds are in. Okay. And then here's a step that most people miss, which okay. is the kind of pre-infusion. I've so, heard of this. I've, I've, I'm new to this as well. This, what does this do? You're pouring in a bit of hot water. So it's it, also called the bloom. What I'm doing is uh, allowing the – I want to get right on the top there. Okay. So I'm putting in about as much water in weight as I have in coffees, and maybe a little bit more. So it's about 90 grams of coffee that are going into this liter and a half French press, mm-hmm. and there's probably 100, 120 grams of water going in. All right. I'm going to wait about 30 seconds, and what that's doing is allowing some of the, the – one, allowing the grounds to get sort of equally um, wet and, and dispersed, distributed, um, allows some of the gases to escape as the, the first bit of brewing happens. And it's going to yield a much better, more even brew extraction once you, once I fill the rest of the way up here. And that's called the bloom. Yes. Okay, this is good. I want to have all the right. I want to have all the right jargon. Yeah, sure. love it. So we're somewhere close to thirty seconds now. Then, okay. Uh, you want to set a timer for about three and a half minutes, or three and a half minutes? Uh, let's 40, see. So forty-one thirty. Uh, all right. Sorry, forty. I, I got you. You got it. Okay. Got your timer. I'm using a little uh, hot water tower here called a Zochirushi. Yes. Which you know from rice cookers at home, right, Jeff? I'm a huge fan of the Zochirushi rice cooker. It's it's like a little robot rice cooker. It it takes into account how much rice is in there, how much water is in there, and I've never had a bad batch of rice come out of that thing. They've got a few things figured out, and their, uh, yeah. their water tower is pretty cool, too. It holds about five liters of water. Yeah. It's good for me when I'm doing a cupping because, uh, you know, what you need is water that's at a consistent temperature uh, yes. that can get through however many cups you've got. Okay, so what so, have you been doing? You put in more hot water at this point. I've bloomed, and now I've filled the rest of the way up. So I'm kind of right below the lip here, and then I'm going to put the top on this French press. I'm going to push down just enough so the plunger is at the top of the pot of coffee now the grounds are at the top and we've got a you know roughly four minute total brew cycle that's going to happen all right so while we're taking a few moments here let's talk about you at the farmer's market sure thing i've seen your truck there i've seen you there and now you have become a board member of the farmer's market that's right yeah we actually launched i launched home coffee roasters may 3rd of last year Mm -hmm. which was opening day of the farmer's market um so we're just about a year and a half in business now you know that's been a great that's been a great um, outlet for us. Allowed us to very quickly get to know a lot of members of the, here of the Napa community. Uh, when we first launched, the truck was this kind of plain white. Used to be a post office truck delivery truck. You could uh-huh. see where it used to have the decal of "We deliver for you" on the side. <laughs> so over you know that course of that first year, I got it wrapped, so it's now kind of kind of got a cool slick it's got uh, a good wrapping vibe. on it. Uh, allows us to go into high-end Napa wineries and do wine club events mm-hmm. or other you know sort of more upscale things than your average basic white truck would would typically be doing no it looks sharp and speaking of we deliver you do have a kind of a delivery service at least a subscription service for folks who really want to that's right get into your coffee yeah we do uh we have a full e-commerce site at omcoffee.com uh, but really what we do best is subscription uh and the reason for that is we roast typically on mondays and for our subscribers we'll we'll put those bags of beans into the mail that night so they're getting beans within 48 hours or so of roasting. That's great. So super fresh. And then they can taste the evolution of the coffee from a few days old to a week or two old or you know, however long it lasts right. in their house. 
And if they want to find you in person, live and in person, live on stage, that's right. rocking it out with coffee, you're at the Farmer's Market usually, right? We're at the Farmer's Market. Uh, so Farmer's the, Market. the season just ended for right. the Napa Farmer's Market. So and they else? do an awesome job. But you know, at this time of year, the, a lot of the farmers are out of things to sell at the market. So we take a little hiatus till mid-April or so, and we'll be back uh, with a great group of artisans and okay. farmers and, and – um, Coffee like myself and, and some prepared food as well. So at the moment, That's, the truck is not in a regular spot. Uh, uh, and no, the, the way we get the word out now is we have on Facebook and Twitter. We'll okay. put our locations out. Typically, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday are the most regular routes. Uh, that we're always looking for office buildings. With Was that our four-minute timer? That, that's, our ti- that's our timer. All right, I'm going to start plunging. And you can see it's coming down relatively easy. I think I did a little bit coarse here, but that's all right. I have a home grinder, which is a little different than what's on the truck. All right. And then, so now I've got a plunged pot of coffee. The grounds are at the bottom. Coffee's on top. Typically, I would use a little handheld strainer as well, uh, but I didn't bring that this morning. So I'll take the, uh, sort of like if you have an old bottle of wine and little pieces of cork at the top. <laughs> You'll take that first one. That's right. Uh, but just to wrap up, so the, the truck is out there. You find it via your Facebook page, yep. Twitter, Ohm Coffee. Twitter's and, Ohm Coffee and Facebook is Ohm Coffee Roasters. Okay. Thank you. So we'll always put our locations out, but we're always looking for new locations as well. So uh, if any of your listeners here in Napa have work at office buildings of more than 50 or 100 people, you know, we're, we're often putting stops together. We actually have a group of wineries that we go to once a month. Great. Uh, they sort of guarantee us a minimum so that we can um, run the truck, at you know, not at a loss. Um, and then we'll stop and do employee coffee for three, four, five wineries, however many it is, oh, on a route. That's great. And I'm sure special events, people can hire you. And- That's right. Okay. Yeah, we do special events. We've done sort of small, intimate winemaker dinners of 40 to 60 people. And then at the other end of the spectrum, we've done Bottle Rock, which was you right. know, 1,200, 1,500 coffees a day. Kind right of up your alley. That's right. Okay, so I've got this beautiful cup of coffee in front of me. And it's in a glass, so I can see the color. Quite- That's right quite clearly what what should i be looking at what should i be thinking about as i approach this well go back to your wine training here judd so probably first thing would be appearance looking at it sure so you see you see there's uh it's a little i'm not going to say cloudy but you can't see through it no it's it's a it's opaque uh right through the mid part you know at the Mm -hmm. edges it has this very nice uh translucent caramely color to it very appealing and so different from a brewed uh, a drip coffee you would see a lot you'd be able to see through a lot more easily mm-hmm. uh, with drip coffee versus french press so this is going back to the you know some I of those see. solids that are in the, right. in the coffee um next thing would probably be to nose it or yeah. give it a little sniffy sniff um so this is my my uh full stack blend is kind of my middle range of, and going back to the wine analogies again this is my napa cabernet this is my big fleshy, blueberry, blackberry, chocolatey kind of expression here. Um, You know, when I first launched, this was my biggest expression of coffee. And, you know, I got a lot of people saying, oh, can you do something a little bit darker, a little bit further? And, you know, I kind of bowed to that and tried it out and actually came up with something that was better than any dark roast I've ever had. But I have a real affinity for the full stack just because of that nice balance between fruit and roast character and spice all happening together. And now we take a sip. And what am I looking for as I sip this? So you can do the same – be careful of your tongue, but you can do the same technique as with wine where you sort of do a little slurp. You suck mm-hmm. the liquid across your tongue and get a lot of the flavors sort of going up into your, into your nasal cavity to uh, you know, get the aroma thing happening as well. So full stack is based off of a mocha java blend. Um, it's about 60% of a natural process Ethiopian. That's where a lot of that fruit character is coming from. And it is. I guess that is something I would call this. There's a, there's a fruity 
there's a fruitiness to it. It's it's, That's it's right. bright. It's it's lovely. It's not something I've had in many coffees. One of my favorite single origin coffees of all time. Lauren's Lauren giving you it. Lauren's giving you the thumbs up. I see a nodding head. Good. Yeah, eyebrows uh, up and about. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite single origin coffees of all time is a natural process Ethiopian, whether it's Yergachev or in this case, it's a Guji, which is uh, right nearby Yergachev. When they are natural processed, there are two different ways of getting that fruit off of the seed. One is natural process where you basically dry the cherry out. And the other is a wet process where you kind of soak the cherries and, and then are able to remove them. The natural process, there's sort of a fermentation that happens around the seed. Yeah. And that tends to give you a lot of these uh, blueberry and, and sort of berry kind of flavors, strawberry. It's beautiful. Um, and then the other part of this, so I said mocha java. The, there's the mocha component is Ethiopia, port of mocha, which is Yemen, no longer, not currently producing coffee, but Ethiopia is the nearest place. Oh. And then the java component um, is, is uh, in this case, Sumatra and Papua New Guinea. Um, so there's equal parts of those in there. Those give a little bit more spice to the blend. And the Papua New Guinea gives a little bit of mid-palate and sort of rounds out and pulls everything together. It's great. And the finish on it, to complete the wine analogy. Yeah. Is, you know, not knowing my coffee terms, but I'll just say velvety smooth. It's nice. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's still with me, and it's, it's very pleasant, and I'm enjoying this very much. i got to ask you a question. Sure. This is very important, <clears throat> uh, very appropriate, I think, and hopefully you won't be offended by this, but I'd like your honest answer, if you don't mind. You're on the spot a bit right now, Uh-oh. Derek Here we go. Bromley of Ohm Coffee Roasters. But since we're talking about coffee, do you go nuts for donuts? <laughs> always depends on if it's a pink box or not it is and here it is so box. i'm going to put this box there's a selection in front would you mind choosing one of these uh donuts and what i'm going to do uh go ahead you can point to one if you donuts want. and coffee what a perfect combination the crumb donut classic do you ever enjoy a donut with your coffee I do. You know, I'm more a fan of coffee first when I wake up. Okay. I, I don't like to have – eat or have, uh, you know, breakfast or anything. I, I like my first cup of coffee, but then actually with, you know, something sweet like this, it's I a great I think that crumb donut is going to go fantastically with this uh, full stack. This is the full stack blend, That's correct? right. All right. You enjoy that. I'm not going to ask you any silly questions about that like I often do with my other guests because we're short on time. And it is now time to play everyone's favorite party game here on Judd's Napa Valley Show. This – is Mad Libs. That's right. It's our Mad Libs style fill-in-the-blank word game. We're playing with Derek Bromley of Ohm Coffee Roasters. And uh, you know how this game goes, Derek. Yeah. We just got my our kids their first Mad Libs. So, yes, we've been playing a bit at home. So he took the crumb donut, by the way, not the maple old-fashioned, which has been the, the favorite. And there is even a Hanukkah donut in there. Buttercream had the blue and white sprinkles. That's I love the nice. colors. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what I need from you is a plural noun. How about Napa Rebobs? The Napa Rebobs. We've talked about these legendary monsters of West Napa. Adjective. Adjective. Yeah. It's hard not to go back to wine tasting, uh, but how about something like furry? Furry. Okay. A plural noun. This time of year, how about Christmas trees? Christmas trees. You're good at this. Uh, let's see. A noun. A, a singular noun? Yeah. Stick with the theme. Holly. Holly. Not your wife. Oh, Oh, but Christmas holly. Gotcha. Thank you. Uh, a number. <laughs> I appreciate that. 41. 41. Uh, another adjective. Slippery. Slippery. Not something I want in my coffee. No, no. You want some weight there. Uh, some traction. Another adjective. Happy. Oh, I like that. This coffee makes me happy. A noun. Uh, anemone. Anemone, like a sea anemone. And I think I even know how to spell that. Uh, another noun. 
Let's stay underwater. How about lobster? Lobster. Well, we got to do the, the Massachusetts spelling. I didn't even ask you where you're from. Are you from back there? Philadelphia. We'll get into that some, Coast, next time. So, Derek Bromley, earlier today I was on ohmcoffee.com, and there's a little tab that says About Us, and you've just rewritten part of it via this Mad Libs game. And I hope I can get this in under the wire. I'm going to talk fast. Are you ready? <clears throat> this is about you and Ohm Coffee Roasters. Here we go. A lifelong foodie with gigs as diverse as sommelier, dot-com founder, wine group chief marketing officer, consultant, and lead guitarist, this guy, that means you, Derek, eventually caved to his first love, coffee, and launched a roastery to up the game of the North Bay coffee scene. And just so his other first love, the Napa Rebobs, didn't get jealous, (laughs) that's a good one, he (laughs) gave the company... A furry persona, so he had an excuse to have electric Christmas trees on the brain, even when he wasn't playing them. Hey, that's pretty Love groovy, it. man. That's that cool. is groovy. I dig it. I need to change the website. All right. Derek had his first cup of holly. That's kind of <laughs> cool, too, man. His first cup of holly milked down and sugared up at the tender age of 41. And from there, a slippery passion was born. <laughs> I wish you could see Derek's face right now. That one got him. Getting a little risque for the airwaves here, Right on, man. Ain't that ain't nothing compared to what we've done in the past. All right. (laughs) From there, it became a complete immersion into the world of uh, happy coffee. Oh, man. Happy coffee. I love it. it. Borrowing much from his uh, anemone. I can't say it. I can spell it. Take your time, Judd. Borrowing much from his anemone and lobster experience. Culminating with the concept for Ohm Coffee Roasters. Derek Bromley, Ohm Coffee Roasters, thank you so much. I'm going to have to sign off, but I'm going to keep this cup of coffee and enjoy it for the next few minutes. Thanks for being our guest today. Pleasure to be here, Judd. This is Lauren Mole speaking for Judd's Napa Valley Show, a Gil Lamar production. Judd's Napa Valley Show.